Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Not quite the same vibe as in other years as players show up for work. The Giants having the hub for their training camp at MetLife Stadium. You've got guys who are getting ready. you got a lot of masks being worn, except if you're Tom Brady. you got social distancing, except if you're Tom Brady, and you're getting ready for the 2020 season, a season unlike any other. Craziest season since, I think, World War II when they had to combine the Steelers and the Eagles into one team because so many of the guys were off fighting in either the Pacific or the European theaters, Chris. I don't think I knew Uh, that. What did they call that team? You didn't know that? No. The Steagles. Did they really call them the Steagles? I was yep. going to say that, but I thought oh, that would be a corny joke, so I won't say it. <laughs> it was real. No. <laughs> it's, it's a corny joke, and it's a harsh reality. The Steagles actually were a thing in the 40s during World War II, and that's, that's probably the last time anything this strange has occurred for the National Football League. But here we are. They're going to give it their best. They're going to try to make it happen, and it begins with an extended training camp and no preseason games. The teams are in their quasi-bubbles. Their practice facility bubbles. Uh, they still go home at night. They could bring the virus back with them. They could take the virus home with them. That's what makes this the kind of experiment that I think we're all a little bit hesitant about. We want to wait and see how it works. For the most part, Chris, the team seemed to have figured out how to create the right setups. Some may have more space than others that creates a higher level of comfort. But, you know, so far so good. But we're a long way a long way from coming to any conclusions about whether or not pro football in a pandemic can work. No, it's, it's early stages. You're, you're right. I mean, we just, we got no clue. It's going to be baby steps. I mean, we're just trying to get into the facility and have some meetings here, you know, let alone practice and do things like that or get the NFL and the NFL PA to, you know, uh, finalize their agreement there. I mean, there's, there's still things that need to be finished here. So uh, it's going to be a crazy year. And yeah, I'm just hoping we have football. I'm not holding out hope that week one's going to happen on time or anything like that, but I am hopeful that football will happen and we'll have enough games to have a playoff and a Super Bowl and all that. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't know if I have a little touch of PTSD now about this. Anytime we say anything that could be remotely interpreted as being even a, a slight bit negative, I, I feel like I, I need to, we need to have a disclaimer that we read, or maybe we need to put it on the screen like they do on Sky Sports when you get cranked up with some of your creative language. Uh, maybe Is we that- need to say, <laughs> disclaimer, we want football to happen. Please do not interpret our decision to acknowledge reality and to admit that there will be challenges with the pandemic as a suggestion that we don't want football. We want football. We are raising these things because we want football, and we hope that everyone pro- – I thought the disclaimer was coming up right now at the bottom of the screen. It's something else. So anyway, um, we, we hope they can pull it off. And uh, I, I talked with Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan yesterday about that and other issues, and one of the things I asked him about was in this abnormal year, um, what advice would you give – to teammates who may be wrestling with a question that we've seen so many already resolve with a decision to opt out. What would you say to your teammates who are considering that same path? Here's Matt Ryan from yesterday. Well, I think everybody's circumstances are different, right? And, and you know, you have to do what's best for yourself and, and for your family and, and your loved ones around you. And, and I think that, uh, you know, if, if you're around people who are at risk, you know, I, I'd encourage you to, to really think long and hard about it. But uh, for me specifically, I feel like I'm in a situation where, you know, my day-to-day is, is, is not surrounded by people who are at high risk and we're able to kind of, uh, you know, bubble our little world and, and, and make sure that, you know, we're, we're being as safe as possible. So I feel comfortable, uh, you know, coming in and, and getting ready to, to start this season. For the first time since your last year at Boston College, no preseason games, how different will this year be for you than all of your other NFL seasons as you prepare for week one without the benefit of going through the motions? Even if you don't play in a preseason game, you go through the motions, you go to the locker room, you get your uniform on, you, you, you get used to how it's going to be. How different will it be without that this year? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it will be different. I, I you know, I kind of like the, the preseason games to be able to get out there and knock off some of that, you know, rust that you have to be able to, you know, Go, go through it. Like you said, go through your routine. Make sure that, you know, you're, you're doing the things you need to do and, and you kind of have things ironed out. We're not going to have that luxury. Uh, but, you know, I think Dan is, is putting together, Dan Quinn is putting together a really good schedule for us to try and, you know, simulate as much as we can on our own, you know, what that experience is going to be like. And, you know, I think it's more important for a guy like me, I'm in year 13. I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be easier for a guy like myself, having been through so many different situations, so many years, so many, you know, games played and, and feeling comfortable in those. But for our rookies and, and for our young guys who have, have not had that experience, you know, I think we've got to help them out as much as we can and uh, try and make them feel as comfortable as possible. Because, you know, when, when we kick it off against Seattle week one, you know, that, that game is just as important as week 17. And uh, it means just as much. You know, this season is going to, present plenty of advantages and disadvantages, but it's got to be an advantage to have a starting quarterback with the same team, not changing teams like a Tom Brady in Tampa, but you're with the same team. You've been there. It's got to make it so much easier to get ready for the season without the benefit of a preseason. I'd like to think so. You know, I I think having the same coordinator, uh, a lot of continuity within the building, all of those things, make going through experiences like this that are unique, uh, it makes it easier because, you know, you have that, 
you know, you have that foundation built with, with these guys where, where you understand uh, how to work with each other. And, and, you know, I think that's going to benefit us. I really hope it benefits us uh, and, and it gives us some kind of advantage. The full Matt Ryan interview available at the PFTPM podcast. And Chris, you know, we've talked about this a few times. The Falcons finished last year six and two. Usually that's the kind of team that we keep our eyes on yeah. for the possibility they can build on. They went to San Francisco and beat the 49ers in a game that the 49ers very much needed down the stretch. And all the talk about the Buccaneers and the Saints and Tom Brady and Drew Brees. This sets up yeah. perfectly for the Falcons to come in and stun people and be that team that's off the radar that while the Buccaneers and the Saints are cannibalizing each other in week one, the Falcons get off to a good start. Now they play the Seahawks, so yeah. it's going to be tough to go 1-0. and But, you know, if the Falcons could knock off the Seahawks out of the gates, we see that every year. There's some outcome the first week of the season that makes us say, holy crap, I'm not going to overlook the Falcons no. this year. No, I don't think we should. You know, I, you, you explained all the right reasons, and don't overlook them in week one. I mean, Dan Quinn, he came from Seattle. Nobody knows that team and what they do better than him. So, and I think the big thing is what, I mean, the damn team in Atlanta is talented, you know, talent has not been the issue the last two years. It's been surviving the injury bug. I mean, they've just been absolutely ravaged by it. So that's been the biggest issue. And, you know, you look at it from there and, you know, a lot of things that jump out to me there, but certainly, you know, their defense you know, Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler Jr. there. We know the linebackers, Keanu O'Neill. Hopefully he's healthy. The offense, the receivers, Todd Gurley, can he help out? I mean, there's a lot of things to like about this football team. And they got a lot of carryover. There's not a lot of new pieces. They got some young guys in the offensive line they got to develop. But I'm with you, Mike. You know, these are this is one of those teams that's, you know, totally under the radar. Just just sitting there and a lot of talent on the football team and a team that, yeah, I don't think the COVID-19 year is going to affect them as much as maybe, like you said in the interview, the Bucks and anything like that. So uh, I'm with you. I, I think they can be dangerous. And, you know, my, my last thing too, preseason football, people I think are making a little bit bigger of a deal than that about that than I think there should be. You know, I understand it's important, but it's more important for some of the back end guys. For a guy like Matt Ryan, he kind of just talked about it. It's like important for him because, hey, he wants to go out and just like go through the rehearsal a little bit, play a few series and get out. That's all he cares about. It's not about like, oh, I need to play and do all that. But the last few years in the NFL, preseason football, nobody freaking plays anymore. I mean, the starters play such limited reps that it's hard to get a feel for teams from what you see in the preseason and then like try to evaluate and so, oh, I saw this in the preseason and that'll carry over to the regular season. There was a time when that was real. Now, I don't think so. And so I don't know if it's going to change things a whole lot as far as football, regular season football is concerned this year. All right. Matt Ryan uh, was also asked the question of whether he would take a Super Bowl ring or a Hall of Fame bust. I've heard players over the years address that. Some say definitely Hall of Fame bust. Some say Super Bowl ring. Matt Ryan really stopped and gave it some thought. And I think he came up with kind of a loophole. In his mind, yeah. you go for the Super Bowl ring because that is more That'll likely get to get you the Hall, Hall of Fame, Fame jacket. Bust. <laughs> right, right. right. Hall of Fame bust isn't going to get you a Super Bowl ring. So I, I like that. I like that way to navigate through the, the uh, dilemma and, and find a way to basically say both without saying both yeah well exactly though but uh, that, I think that was when I saw the question posed here on our little document that we have and I hadn't heard his answer I thought 
I'd want the Super Bowl ring. More likely, if you've had a pretty good career and then get the Super Bowl, you'll end up in the Hall of Fame. But all these guys are playing for Super Bowl rings. They are. And that's a special thing to have. I mean, damn. When my dad brings out his two Super Bowl rings still, I'm still like a kid in a candy store when I see them. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, look at these things. This is so cool. I mean, uh, so it's a special thing. And, you know, of course, be able to say you're the champion and the best in the world at what you do is also special to any competitor. But here's the thing. There are plenty of guys who yeah. never actually played in a game, regular season or postseason, right. who have Super Bowl rings. There are plenty of people who never put on a helmet other than part of a Halloween costume who have Super Bowl rings. So I, I now, yeah. now, I the think that's what it, it signifies. Right. But, but still, if you're Matt Ryan and you have a Super Bowl ring, it's not going to be because you're no. working as a scout for the Falcons. You've earned it as the starting quarterback. So it signifies so much more to him and – and I think it makes sense because, look, even though there are so many other factors that go into it, I mean, look at his 2016 season. He's the regular season MVP. He did everything he could to set the table for the Falcons to win Super Bowl 51. They were up 28-3, to and then the defense fell apart. Now, now, look, there were some issues with the offense down the stretch when it came to holding the lead, but sure. still, as, as, as we list the people responsible for that disaster for the Falcons – Matt Ryan is fairly far down on the list Agreed. of people responsible for blowing the 28 to three lead. So he did everything he could. He put all the hay in the barn and then somebody threw a cigarette in there. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so here's the question. Yeah. Is what he did in 2016 more impressive than Eli Manning and his two Super Bowl MVPs that capped seasons where, you know, it was almost like a slumdog millionaire vibe. Things fell together just right for the giants and everything worked and it clicked and Eli Manning makes a couple of throws for the ages, what's more impressive, what Ryan did in 2016 or what Eli did in 2007 and 2011? Wow. I mean, what Ryan did was, I mean, he was a machine that year. He really was. Now, he had Kyle Shanahan with him and, of course, talent around him, and there was a lot of plays served up on a silver platter to go like, hey, here's Julio Jones. He's wide open over the middle for a 20-yard gain. Nobody's around him. If you can just hit him, it's a first down. And there was a lot of that. It was impressive. I think I would go with Eli Manning, though. I think I would. You know, there's something to be said about the biggest game, the biggest moment of your life coming through in that moment, and especially an Eli Manning situation coming against the freaking undefeated New England Patriots and then having to deal with the Patriots again and being on your own two-yard line and the Mario Manningham throw and all that. So, hey, listen, we could sit here and argue that Eli probably didn't deserve the first MVP. I mean, I think Michael Strahan or, or Justin Tuck or somebody like that probably should have got it. But regardless, I think, you know, coming back against that Patriots team, some of those big throws and that big play to David Tyree and all that, yeah, I think I'd probably favor the Eli Manning thing over the Matt Ryan. Yeah, week in and week out, the Matt Ryan 2016 season more impressive, but there's something about emerging with the Super Bowl MVP award, especially doing it twice. Uh, and you, you ask anybody that wins the regular season MVP over the past 20 years, because not since Kurt Warner has there been a double regular season MVP, Super Bowl MVP. For 20 years, the regular season MVP has not won the Super Bowl. It's crazy. And every one of those guys would tell you, my season was not a success. Who cares about the regular season MVP? I wanted that Super Bowl ring. That's what they all want. That's why they do it. That's the motivation. And Matt Ryan still has that motivation. And maybe, maybe 
Look, in this crazy – hey, we talked earlier about it, Chris. They've got a setup at training camp where they have individual townhomes where guys have their own bathrooms. They have their own changing area. To the extent that guys need to feel comfortable this year, they're going to feel comfortable in the Falcons facility. And that goes a long way toward keeping you guys healthy, keeping you guys focused. If these other teams are in disarray, if these other teams have a bunch of guys who are on the COVID-19 list – it's going to make it easier for the Falcons to win games. No doubt. I mean, yeah, it looks like they got a formula that's going to keep their players safe and on the field and things like that to where maybe they won't be ravished by the, the, the virus and everything there. So that's going to be part of the game this year. And, you know, you heard Matt Ryan in your interview there too talk about, you know, I go home, but we've created our own little bubble within our personal life. To me, that is going to be the great importance that I hope the Matt Ryans and the Grady Jareds of the world for each team – continue to preach that to the guys in their locker room. Like, hey, I mean, do you want a Super Bowl ring this year? Do you want that, you know, you know, few million dollars worth of checks you're going to get this year? Okay, well, go home and do the right damn thing. Like, make sure, yeah, okay, I understand your, your kids and your wife and everything aren't just going to sit there and wait for you to get home, but make sure they're around people you trust and, you know, don't have the branches and tentacles too out, you know, reaching out into society. I think that's going to be a big part. I mean, I know my wife and I, we've had this conversation a lot lately where we're just sitting around and spitballing and whatever, and we put ourselves in this situation. And she was just like, oh, I mean, if you were making like quarterback money and doing that and still playing, I, I would never leave the house. We might not send the kids to school. We might just stay in the house and you go to football and come home and do all that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think that's the kind of thing that you'd probably have to do if you want to be successful. All right, we need to take a break. Coming up, the next team on our preseason power rankings, the New York Jets. Jets. Sam Darnold says he has a lot more confidence this year. Uh, And uh, there's plenty of ghost gifts that have been posted on Twitter in response to, to that comment from Sam Darnold. We'll be talking more about the 2020 Jets when PFT Live continues right after this. Douglas, the Jets general manager, with some high praise for Jets coach Adam Gase. Now, look, let's be fair here. I mean, Chris, you and I have both been defending Adam Gase all week long in the aftermath of the shots that Jamal Adams took at him on Friday that was the precursor to the Jamal Adams trade, although that trade was happening with or without those shots. Let's, we, we, but we need, to be, we need to be fair and balanced here. Joe Douglas was the hand-picked GM by Adam Gase. I mean, as soon as Mike McCagnan was fired, the first thought was and the first reports were that Gase was going to get Douglas in there as the GM. So I don't expect Douglas to dump on Adam Gase. I expect Douglas to defend Adam Gase. But that's a key ingredient to having a successful franchise. Sure. The coach and the GM on the same page. The coach and the GM 
tied together like, you know, the old three-legged race that you would see at a picnic. That's how the coach and the GM have to be. The right leg of one is tied to the left leg of the other, and they either succeed together or they fall flat on their faces. So of all the things you could say about the Jets that they have wrong, and they have plenty wrong that they're trying to remedy, the fact that the coach and the GM are on the same page and they're not going to undermine each other, they're not going to say bad things about each other, they're not going to try to set the other one up to be fired, that's something that plenty of bad teams don't have, and it's one of the ingredients that you need in order to turn a team around. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you just say the proof's in the pudding. Just look at the teams that have been like towards the top of the NFL and in the playoff conversation the last few years. I mean, look, the top three teams in the AFC from last year, that just speaks to it. The Patriots, the Chiefs, the Ravens, bam. Whoa, example. That's it done there. You know, we just talked about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. The New Orleans Saints, been really good the last four or five years. Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, bam. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles, what we're seeing there. So the, your Minnesota Vikings, I know it's not Super Bowls and everything you want it to be, but there's a good relationship there between Spielman and Zimmer. So, yes, this is how a successful organization is built, and that's the way it goes. And, and yes, sure, like you said, Joe Douglas is going to stick up for Adam Gase. There's a personal history there, and, yes, I'm sure he was a big part of hiring him, but that doesn't mean what he said wasn't true. You know, that's what I think bothered you know me. What bothered me about last week is just the fact that Jamal Adams – Everybody here in New York, oh, he's a big mouth. He's a big mouth. We need to get over him. And then he talks about Adam Gase, and everyone's like, what he's saying is the word of law. And now let's talk about it because that's real. And it's like, what? And, you know, some idiot local writers up here jumped on the bandwagon with Jamal Adams, and that was, you know, bull crap. But this is a team that was in a crappy situation, and they haven't had talent to support Sam Darnold, and they're trying to build that and an offensive line. And, hey, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to rebuild here. So the defense has got something. There's no doubt about that. And without Jamal Adams, it's still, I think, going to be a good defense. Greg Williams, a good defensive coordinator. It is going to be about Adam Gase and his offense. They were last in football last year. It's got to be better this year. And if it is better this year, I think they're a team that can be a pain in the butt for the AFC East and a lot of the other teams in, in the NFL. One is going to come down to the quarterback. Last year, Sam Darnold exited early with mono, and the backup plans were not successful. No. Before you knew it, the team had fallen apart. And then Darnold was back that Monday night game against the Patriots where the mic'd up segment had him admitting that he's seeing ghosts, which is not an unrealistic dynamic in football. It happens from time to time. You right. get confused. And, uh, you know, I think the team – made a bigger deal about that than they should have by complaining about the use of the audio. I mean, it, it happens. It's part of the development. And as Darnold and Gase work together more, we, we see what Darnold can become. Whatever his ceiling is, Gase is going to get him there because we've seen Gase do that with other quarterbacks. He knows how to get the best out of the guys that he has because he's not going to say, this is my offense, thou shalt run it. He's going to say, what do you like to do? And let's showcase what you do well. Right. And let's stay away from the things you don't do well. I mean, he was part of the, the coaching staff that had to rip up the playbook and come up with something for Tim Tebow right. back in Denver in 2011. And it worked. They made it to the final eight with a guy who had no business playing quarterback in the NFL. 
So Gase knows how to get the most out of a quarterback, and this is the year where we see how much he can get out of Sam Darnold. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, Sam Darnold's a franchise quarterback. I mean, it, the big thing is we just got to see Sam Darnold go through the meat and potatoes of the schedule or the really tough part of the schedule. We haven't seen that yet, really. His rookie year, he hurt his foot. He kind of missed, you know, a big chunk of the schedule there and then got to come in at the very end of the season. Last year, by the time he got back in the lineup, the year was over. You know, so the pressure was off the team, but I've liked what I've seen from Sam Darnold, certainly. I mean, really quick release, great feet in the pocket. I know he's smart. He's a good leader, all that. And Adam Gase, you know, Adam Gase, like you said, the offense has everything. You know, but the big thing is, is the talent there, uh, is there enough talent there yet for us to really see the true picture of a Sam Darnold? You know, is there enough pass protection? Are guys like Brashad Perryman and Josh, Josh Doxson going to help out a Jamison, Cram, uh, Jamison Crowder in that offense this year? I don't know. Those are two guys that were risky value signings that, yeah, Prashad Perryman showed some some talent last year finally. Josh Doxson, a f- you know, a, f- a first-round pick who's never developed. But that's how Joe Douglas has had to go about, by, you know, rebuilding this team a little bit. He did a good job in finding some value signings on the offensive line. But, you know, we don't get to see what Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold are really doing or what they're really capable of until there's more talent around them. And I think there's enough this year to see it. So, you know, that'll be the big thing. And I think that's what everybody's going to be watching because Gase is an offensive coach and a guru and all that. Last year, it was an unbelievably tough start of the schedule. Guess what this year, Mike? It's a pretty damn tough start of the schedule. And that's where I just go, man, it's going to be important for them to get off early uh, offensively and as a team to at Buffalo, 49ers come to town, then it's at the Indianapolis Colts, and then the Denver Broncos. I mean, I think those are four teams we all look at and go, damn, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. That's not going to be easy, and it's going to be on Gase and that coaching staff to find some ways, whether it's trick plays or whatever, to jumpstart that team early to give them some confidence and maybe steal one of those wins against a team that is probably better than them. Hey, when you consider they're playing all the teams of the NFC West and all the teams of the AFC West, it's going to be a long year for all of the teams in the AFC East. All right, best case, worst case for the 2020 Jets, considering that schedule that we just looked at. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't look at, again, I don't think I can look at the Jets and go realistically think, oh, I think they'll be competing for a wild card spot or something like that. I don't think they're there yet. No, uh, I think they're going in the right direction. But I think realistically, I look at it as a team that, you know, maybe was in the wild card race like in mid-November. Right. But, you know, just they're not good enough or consistent enough. And I look at like best case scenario being eight and eight or maybe a nine and seven, something like that, but not in the playoffs. Uh, and then worst case yeah, I guess I look at it and just go, okay, offense fell apart. Some of these guys didn't work, and they're missing Jamal Adams, and they're back at 4-12 and 12 and drafting in the top five or six in the NFL draft. But, Chris, 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven could I know. put a team in position for it that could this year. Seed. I know. Now that we have that seventh playoff seed, I think that what's going to come into sharper focus is that scheduling formula that rotates – Every year, you've got two rotations. You're rotating through your own conference every year playing. If you're the Jets, you're playing the North, then the South, then the West. And then you've got the other conference rotation with all four divisions. You play all four teams. You're going to have that nightmare year from time to time that's going to make it very difficult to compete for a wild card berth. The four teams of the AFC East are going to have a hard time this year positioning themselves 
for that five, six, or seven seed because they all have to play the AFC West. They all have to play the NFC West. And that, that inequity in scheduling, as we get deeper and deeper into this seven-team field per conference, that's going to become more and more of a talking point. This year, it doesn't matter because of the pandemic. In future years, keep an eye on that. All right, we got to take a break. When we return, now that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the top guy in Kansas City in the backfield, we're going to draft our Offensive Rookie of the Year candidates. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, Anthony Lynn talking about the quarterback competition in L.A. Tyrod Taylor probably will be our day one starter. Justin Herbert, the sixth overall pick and a rookie out of Oregon, has to got to be ready to play. This is a year of a lot of uncertainty. Every player has to prepare and be ready to start. Him sitting out the whole year, that may not be the case. So we expect to see Justin Herbert at some point this year. Although Tyrod Taylor now has the best group around him I think he's ever had. Justin Herbert, a candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year if he plays a significant chunk of the season. So let's draft the Offensive Rookie of the Year candidates for 2020. Chris, since I'm in such a good mood today, although circumstances doing their best to interfere with that, I'm going to let you have the first pick. Wow, thanks there, Slugger. What a good guy you are. Okay. It's well, Friday for you. I'm giving you a little Friday nugget on the way out the door. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going to start off with the guy we kind of started off talking on the show with today. I mean, yeah. Clyde Edwards Alaire is the guy that jumps out to me. There's no doubt. I mean, one, I thought he was the best running back coming out in the draft. He's super talented. And then when super talented meshes up with, whoa, system fit, and then other super talented guys around you, I just go, well, like the only thing we have to worry about is like, can they get him the ball enough times? Because they got so many damn good players. But I expect it to be. I'm I'm going on a limb and just going to go. I expect it to be better than Kareem Hunt and what we saw his rook, his rookie year for the Kansas City Chiefs. I wow. think I, so. I, I'm putting yeah, I'm putting myself out there. I think it's going to be a huge year for this guy. Well, and you throw in the Damian Williams opt out, which is the reason why we're doing this draft today. Yep. It creates an even greater opportunity for Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and that's always the first place I look for offensive rookie of the year. I look at running back mm-hmm. because running back has the 
if you if you are the guy, and not every guy gets to be the guy right out of the gates, but if you are going to get a healthy complement of touches, you're more likely to generate the kind of statistics, touchdowns, notoriety, fantasy football love that's going to get those 50 AP voters attracted to you. And it almost happened last year with Josh Jacobs, the Raiders running back. He, you know, A lot of people still think he should have been the offensive rookie of the year over Kyler Murray. And I generally think a running back has a better opportunity, and yeah. I would have taken Clyde Edwards-Hilaire if I had kept the first pick for myself. So I'm a little torn here, but I'm not going to let you have Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, although I was <laughs> tempted to go in a different direction. I got to go with Joe Burrow. First overall pick, we saw what Kyler Murray did last year as the first overall pick. It's going to be a challenge in Cincinnati because of the division that they play in. But I think that if Joe Burrow can carry over just 80% of what he did at LSU last year, it's going to create enough buzz, enough excitement. He's got the help around him. If those guys can stay healthy, they can be a great group of receivers if they can stay healthy. Joe Mixon, sneaky great running back who hasn't had the benefit of a whole lot of blocking or a passing game to throw defenses off balance. That's right. That, that Cincinnati Bengals offense could be something. I don't know about the defense, but yeah. I think the offense could be something. No, I, I, I'm with you. You're right. I mean, they, they, they could be one of those teams that ends up like 6-10, and 10, but we go, man, like the 49ers a few years ago where we go, it was fun to watch every game. It was up and down the field and big plays and everything like that. And I think, you know, like you said, there's enough talent there. And with the way he plays and, and the plays he can make on his own, too, uh, I, I'm, I, it was it was one of those two guys for me too, and I you know I'm not one that usually wants to take the first pick of the draft for these kind of things, but I, I think it sets up well for him. Man, there are some really good guys out here to talk about. All right, I'm, I think um, next I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers. You know, and the reason I'm going to go with this here is Debo Samuel hurt, broken foot here the last few weeks. Don't think he'll be ready to go or at least not full strength, 100% to start the year. You know, there's no Emmanuel Sanders there. And, of course, we know Shanahan, John Lynch, like this player a lot. Kyle's got a, a keen eye for the wide receiver position. You know, he's really special there. And I just think between the player, his offense, it, it's going to fit within his scheme. And, of course, with no Debo and Samuels there, I think there's a lot of balls that are going to go Ayuk's way. You know, especially early in the year, at least to get him going, why Debo might be still getting his feet underneath him. So I'm going to go with him just because of that offense, the team around him, and he's not a guy that they're necessarily going to be able to hone in on because there's a lot of talent on that offense. And uh, I think Shanahan's going to make life pretty easy for him. Yeah, I don't know. The team that went with the early 70s offense uh, when it could last year in the playoffs, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. And my other concern is who's the guy that's going to draw the double coverage? I know. That makes it easier for Brandon Ayuk to get open. It's going to be Kittle. It's going to be Kittle. Kittle will have to be the guy that Shanahan, yeah, you don't get double coverage coverage on a tight end a lot, so I know what you're saying, but it'll have to be Shanahan who will have a million plays for George Kittle, at least to take a little attention away from a guy like Ayuk, which is a very real question, Mike, no doubt. Well, and I raised those questions for two reasons. Number one, I want to undermine your pick. Of course, two, you I do. want to build up my pick right. because he's not AB, he's CD. CD yeah. Lamb, the Dallas Cowboys receiver, who has Amari Cooper there to attract double coverage, has the running game that is the great complement to the passing game with the quarterback in Dak Prescott, who you put much higher on your 
top 40 list than Jimmy Garoppolo. Mike McCarthy is the head coach, dialing up those plays that give C.D. Lamb the opportunity with a high-profile team to come in and make a high-profile splash. You throw in that extra factor where he's going to have the chip on his shoulder because he was drafted after the Alabama receivers, Henry Ruggs III and Jerry Judy. I think this is all shaping up for C.D. Lamb to have a monster season, barring injury. Yeah. I think he can come in and be great, and it, and the star on the helmet's going to get more attention. You know, if he has the same production as Brandon Ayuk, the same catches, the same yards, the same touchdowns, C.D. Lamb's going to be viewed as having the bigger year because he's coming from that team that, that, that everything is bigger. No, I mean, listen, I was between Ayuk and C.D. Lamb. I, that's what I was doing. I went with Ayuk because of the reasons that you just said for CD Lamb. You know, I went with Ayuk because I'm going Shanahan, even though there might be attention on him. There's not enough guys on that offense. He'll get him the ball. Shanahan's a master at getting the Julio Jones, the Andre Johnsons of the world, the ball, but everybody knows they're going to get the ball. So that's why I went. That's what scared me off of CD Lamb. Like, you're right. It, to me, it can go either way. It can go, whoa, holy cow, look at the stats all over the place. But it also could go, damn, Amari Cooper, damn, Ezekiel Elliott runs the ball, damn, Michael Gallup had 1,100 yards receiving last year, and that would just scare me that some of his touches get taken away. So I'm doing what you're doing. I like your pick, but I also want to win the draft, and I'm just pointing out some negatives about it. Let let me say this about your buddy Kyle Shanahan, too. Yeah. Um, Because I think that part of his genius isn't just designing plays and getting guys open and cracking the code on the defense. I think now that he has his own team, I think we are going to see, and I don't know, I'm not saying that this is job number one. Job number one is score more points and win the game. But I think that his offense is set up in a way to prevent one guy from becoming the superstar who's going to command huge money. Sure. Right? So I, 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 you know, you're not going to have a Julio Jones that's going to hold out and want $23 million a year with the 49ers. I think the ball is going to get spread around it is, enough no doubt. that no one's going to have those gigantic numbers. So that's another reason why I, I was more So you're going back to just throw one more that. negative thing on my pick before I no. make my other pick? I mean, what but a I'm, jerk I'm you trying are. To, I'm trying to praise your buddy. Okay. I'm tra- from the standpoint of yeah. not creating a a giant major star that, that yeah, is going I to hear command you. all the money. All right, let's you. take a break. We've got one round left. Chris gets to regroup now that I've got him on his heels. We'll do round three of the Offensive Rookie of the Year draft right after this on PFT Live. All right, as we continue with our draft Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate, Chris, you're on the clock. All right, I'm going Jonathan Taylor. You know, second-round running back out of Wisconsin who was a first-round talent. I mean, stud. I mean, 230 pounds, runs 4-3, got the big blue wall because they built a wall in Indianapolis. He's going to have big holes. So, yeah, I'm going with Jonathan Taylor because he's got a lot there to support him. And then, of course, I think he is a hell of a football player. Yeah, you took my next pick, although I've got one that I think has just the same – chance to to make some noise and maybe be the offensive rookie of the year how about jk i knew you were gonna back out of ohio state yeah i know that his touches will be minimized by the presence of mark ingram and lamar jackson's going to be running the ball a lot on a designed basis but man that 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 was just a pick that that 
cemented in, yeah. I think, a lot of people's minds that the Ravens are still going to be a major factor, even though they can't win a playoff game. J.K. Dobbins is going to be a guy who comes in and makes a difference and transitions into that lead running back role when Mark Ingram moves on, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, you know, he might be the guy, you're right, not a ton of yards and like a ton of touches, but a lot of long, highlight, touchdown, game-changing type runs, and that could win you rookie of the year. So I could see J.K. Dobbins doing that for sure. All right, one more quick break. When we return, a player who signed a big contract in the offseason, relatively speaking, uh, has gone AWOL. We'll tell you who it is and when and if he's going to show up when PFC Live continues right after this. Vic Beasley, a former first-round pick of the Atlanta Falcons, finished up his contract with the team, signed with the Titans, Chris, in the offseason. A one-year deal, but $7.5 million, $6 million in the form of a signing bonus, $1.5 million salary. If he's thinking about not playing, the easy thing to do is just to opt out for the year. You've already made $6 million, and they can't take that back. He hasn't shown up. Two days have gone by in Tennessee. No show. He's on the did-not-report list, AWOL from the team. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if it's it's something more alarming that would require the authorities to be notified, but the impression I've gotten is the guy just hasn't shown up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to show up, you got an easy way out this year. Opt out. You don't have to show up at all this season. You get your $6 million, and your salary gets bumped over to, to next year where you'd get $1.5 million if you make the team. But uh, I don't know. Maybe he just – Maybe maybe no one's explained to him how to opt out. Maybe he just thinks all I have to do is not show up. Right, yeah. Nobody's explained the protocol to him or what he's got to do to, to make sure that the Titans and the league know he's not going to play. I know that's what I thought of right, right away. You know, but he's the perfect example, again, Mike, of what you talked about and what we've talked about over the last two weeks. You know, yeah, he got $6 million up front out of the 7.5. I mean, yeah, that's that's it's easy to say, I'm not going to play this year in a weird year, and if you're a little banged up in your body or whatever, in that scenario – with a guy who's kind of like, you know, just got done with his rookie contract and all that, has a lot of years left. He, it's easy for him to sit out with the, the current circumstances, but we'll see. I hope nothing serious is wrong here, and he certainly would help that Titans defense that needs some, some pass rushers. One last point as it relates to the New England Patriots. Matthew Slater, special teams captain, standout on that team for a decade, reportedly considered opting out but has decided to play. But remember, guys, you've got seven full days to make a final decision once they sign the amendment to the CBA. We're not encouraging guys to opt out. We're encouraging guys to make the decision that is right for them. Chris, have a great weekend. I will. Thank you. you See you. Work hard tomorrow now. Make sure you work really hard. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.